Good morning. Um, if you can pull out your red uh, insert, we are going to do the Advent reading at this time. I will be reading what is in the light print, and if you can follow Norman with what is in the dark print. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he said through his holy prophets of long ago. Salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. To show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear. In holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, my child, will be called a, a prophet of the Most High. For you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him. To give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of their tender mercy of our God, by which we are raising sun, by which the raising sun will come to us from heaven, to shine for those living in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the path of peace. Today's gospel reading will be found in Luke 3, 4 through 6. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. Every valley shall be filled in, every mountain and hill made low. The crooked roads shall become straight and the rough ways smooth, and all people will see God's salvation. The New Testament reading is Philippians 4, 4 through 7. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, pre present your request to God. And the peace of God, with, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I've been doing a chapel series at Crescenta Valley Adventist School on Advent for Adventists. Yeah, what a novel thought. Here in the middle of our name, Seventh Day, which of course we all know refers to today, Saturday, the Sabbath, and Seventh Day Adventist Church, we all know what church is. It comes from the word meaning to gather or gathering. So we're a gathering of people on the Sabbath day who look forward to what? The second coming of Jesus Christ. And when our founders were preaching their message, they were known as Adventists because not many churches were preaching the second coming of Jesus. And so it was a big deal and an important part of our message. And yes, it became part of our name. So we have this long name, Seventh-day Adventist Church. But in the middle of Adventist, if you drop the IST as Advent, and there's really no point in a second coming if there hasn't been a first. In fact, I think by definition, the second coming becomes the first coming, if I'm not mistaken in that case. So for us, 
The first coming must necessarily be every bit as important as the second, even though we look ahead more than we look behind. And in this season, we can celebrate with the rest of Christendom who have set aside time to look forward to the advent of God, retrospectively. To think about what it means that God, in whose image we are made, would take on image itself in flesh and dwell among us. Truly Emmanuel, God with us. Not just God who made us or God for us, but God with us in our pain, in our struggles, in our depressions, in our journeys, in our sin, in our magnificence. And yes, the human species has moments of magnificence, sin and all. Jesus makes his dwelling in that and among that and with that. And so we have a month or so if we will pay attention, if we'll listen, right after Thanksgiving, to begin a season of anticipation. You'll notice I said anticipation, not shopping. I would really love it, in fact, if Christians world over would stop gift giving for about five years on Christmas Day. No purchases made in December whatsoever. Maybe the commercial entities that put out Frosty in October would get a clue. And we could bring Christmas back from Happy Holidays to Merry Christmas. Because let's, let's be candid, at least in the United States, it isn't Ramadan and it isn't Kwanzaa and it isn't any other winter solstice thing that makes these holidays work. It's the Christian tradition of Jesus and his birth. Now, we know Jesus was not born December 25, but we don't have an alternative date. And so once again, we join with the rest of Christendom because we have no better alternative and look forward to the coming king. So today would be the second Sabbath of Advent. If you were uh, in a Sunday church, tomorrow would be the second Sunday of Advent. And our theme could go either way today, and I decided to do both. Some churches are doing preparation, and some churches are doing peace. And I just think they're both too valuable to pass up. So let's take preparation for just a moment. I won't belabor this. If you turn to the gospel of Luke, where we just were in Luke, and we read that John the Baptist is preparing the way and he's quoting Isaiah. He says, Prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. Every valley shall be filled in and every mountain and hill made low. The crooked roads shall become straight, the rough ways smooth, and all mankind will see God's salvation. Now there's one phrase amongst all of that that's far more important than any other. It's this, and all mankind will see God's salvation. That is huge. It's amazing passage, amazing prophecy. We will all see the salvation of the Lord as a way is made for the coming king. I've been fascinated watching the road work over the pass here, the Newhall Pass, as they've widened the freeway. 
You know, one would think this could be done relatively simply, given that there's a highway there already. But I think it's probably been five years or more in planning and at least a year in execution. You see, what we're doing in order for a car to get to Los Angeles in something less than two hours on a weekday morning is widening the freeway. In other words, we're making a way straight for the car. Every valley is being raised up and every mountain is being laid low. We're carving away the mountains and filling in the valleys or bridging them. And as we build bridges and as we compact earth and as we make the highway wider and smoother and straighter, things can go more quickly. Some of you may have seen the Discovery Channel special on Roman roads. The Romans built roads. They built highways because they had an empire. They would pave them in giant stones which are still underneath many of the roads in Europe that still exist today. And there are places where the stones are still visible, still there today. It was important to Rome because if there was an uprising somewhere, they wanted to be able to move a division of chariots and foot soldiers and whatever 60 miles down the road in a day. They wanted to be able to mobilize and get to the furthest reaches of their empire quickly and with decisive force. This was the world in which Luke lived, the world of Roman domination, the world in which the armies of Rome could be anywhere at almost any time. Does this sound familiar? We live in a world like this today. Rapid deployment was the key, and the Romans built highways to all the outposts. They made mountains low and valleys raised up. It's rough places plain. A chariot can't drive over a rock field. A chariot needs a road. A wagon of supplies to feed an army needs a road. The text is taken from Zechariah, who predates the Roman Empire. And roads were important even back in his day. The idea is the same whatever era we get to today, Roman times or Zacharias times. We're paving in our hearts, in our lives, in our minds, in our spiritual practices, a place, a way for the king to come. We are doing the work of anticipating and we're paving the way, planning for his coming, making the path straight. Are you doing that in your life? Are you making the road smooth and the way straight for Christ into your heart and your life? Because that's what this passage means. We're talking about the coming of our God, and it's not just to Bethlehem 2,000 years ago. It's to humanity, to you, to me. Our second theme, peace, found in Philippians 4. Paul is so pastoral here. Marvelous passage. Let me make sure I get the right reference. I am prone sometimes to quote the wrong. 4, 4 to 7 says, Oh, I'm in Ephesians. That won't work. Here we go. Philippians 4, 4 to 7. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. We have a song about that, don't we? A little round we do. 
Good passage. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious or nervous about anything. I took a stress test yesterday, not the kind on the treadmill, but the kind where you look at stressful events in your life. Have you ever taken one of those tests? How many of you have taken one of those tests? Do you know what I'm talking about? It's the test where it says, did you get married this year? Did you get divorced this year? Did something happen to the health of your mother or father or a loved one? Anything happening in your health? Did you change jobs? Did you get in a car accident? Did you, you know, they're like 50 questions and you answer these questions and each one of them is assigned a point value. If you have anything over 270, you really need to examine your life. Your, you, the stress in your life is probably out of control. And stress can lead to all sorts of illnesses, as we know. There's good stress and bad stress, but stress can lead to illnesses, and we can feel anxious. Most of us consume coffee or tea or hot chocolate, and all of those contain chemicals that actually cause our adrenals to act and raise our anxiety levels to get us pumped up and going. We're anxious. We're on the move. Things have to go quickly. Well, I took this test yesterday, and I don't think I counted everything, and I had 350 points. <laughs> and I thought, oh, Greg, maybe time to reevaluate your life just a little bit. What does it mean when we're moving so quickly, when we're taking chemicals into our bodies to keep us going, when everything seems important? And when we're so rushed, we never have time to come down from the adrenaline high and calm ourselves and recover. Any of you ever have like a terrible fright? You realize that your taxes were due three days ago and you didn't pay them and you get that huge rush of adrenaline because you know you're just going to get this massive penalty and the IRS is going to look at your form very carefully. Any of you had that experience? No, okay. You're wonderful. Wow. What? Maybe I can find... You're driving down the freeway and somebody cuts you off and just nearly clips you and you have to slam on the brakes and you go, Any, anybody done that? Okay, a couple of you there. You know that heart pounding, adrenaline running thing? Your body takes about 32 to 40 hours to clear that. Did you know that? And we live on that again and again and again. Our students here, I know you guys, you're addicted to monster drinks and Red Bull. Shame on you. That's worse than coffee. That has, anyway, I won't go into the health message. We're here to talk about Advent. We don't live in a peaceful world. We don't live in a world in which we take time to rejoice. We don't live in a world in which we practice gentleness and anticipate the coming of Jesus yet again. The text says, do not be anxious about anything, and we're anxious about everything. And then it says, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Give it to God. Let's just give everything to God. And here's what it says. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This first coming is an important thing. This first coming means that we don't carry the worries and burdens of our lives. We have a Savior and a God who carries them for us and invites us to rest in Him, finding His peace. It is not any peace. It is a peace 
that surpasses your capacity to understand it. One more illustration. Have you ever found yourself, you know the adrenaline response I was just asking you if you've had? Have you ever been in a situation that should have freaked you out, should have elicited an adrenaline response, and you were calm and cool as a cucumber? Have you ever had that experience? It didn't rile you at all, and you were surprised later, hey, why didn't I get upset, or why didn't I react or respond? You don't understand that. How is it that you're calm in the face of something that should be aggravating or should be scary? In the moments, maybe that's the best illustration I can give you of a peace that surpasses understanding. And when we who are created in his image and redeemed by his grace make our lives, our dwelling in him who has come and who says he will come yet again to take us to himself, when we cast our cares upon him because he loves us and invites us to, when he says he'll replace our heavy burden with a burden that is light and a yoke that's easy, he means it. In this season, because Jesus has come, he wants to give us a peace that surpasses understanding. That's not something I want to say no to. Thank you, Corral. Let us pray. And now, Lord, you have blessed us with your presence, with this music, with your word. Let it plant itself in our hearts in joy, in peace, in hope, in love. May we anticipate your coming and celebrate your presence always. Amen.